from Preservation Maryland Studios in the historic podcast district of Baltimore, this is PreserveCast. Nestled in the verdant fields and forests of the Hudson Valley, Saratoga Springs is a historic jewel of New York State, a place where the past is evocative and ever-present. The unique and charming character of Saratoga Springs didn't happen by accident. Like many places, it's the result of dedicated preservationists like today's guest, Samantha Bosshart, who leads the Saratoga Springs Preservation Foundation. On today's episode, we'll talk about preservation work in a small town with the nation's oldest sports venue. Giddy up, we're talking horses, houses, and history on this week's PreserveCast. Before we start this week's episode, I really want to thank you for listening, and I want to ask for your help. PreserveCast is powered by Preservation Maryland, a nonprofit organization that depends on member contributions to fund its work. This podcast receives no government support and currently has no major funder support. Its budget is entirely dependent on listener contributions. I'm hoping you'll consider making a quick gift to help support this podcast, which is bringing important preservation stories to thousands of listeners around the country. Think of us as your preservation Netflix. Any amount helps, and you can make a quick online donation by going to preservecast.org and clicking the Donate Now button in the upper right-hand corner. We'd greatly appreciate it. Now, let's get preserving. Samantha Bossart joined the Saratoga Springs Preservation Foundation in 2008, and under her leadership, the foundation completed a $750,000 restoration of the Spirit of Life in Spencer Trask Memorial, undertook a comprehensive cultural resource inventory of the Saratoga Racecourse, and successfully advocated for the foundation to review capital improvement projects to ensure the preservation of the historic character of the oldest sports venue in the country. Prior to leading the Saratoga Springs Preservation Foundation, she held positions at the historic Albany Foundation and Galveston Historical Foundation. Samantha attended both the Indiana University and Cornell University, where she studied historic preservation planning. Samantha, it is a pleasure to have you with us here today in PreserveCast to talk all things Saratoga Springs and how you do your work up there in the beautiful Hudson Valley. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you having me today. So tell us a little bit about your path to this career. Obviously, you've worked for some pretty great preservation groups, um, Galveston being really a a large um, local preservation group. Um, And now you've led your own preservation organization since 2008. Um, what, What spurred this interest in historic preservation? How did you end up where you're at today? Well, I think probably for most preservationists, it's sort of a circuitous route. Um, I grew up with parents that took me to numerous historic sites, collected antiques. I saw my fair share of house museums over the years as a a child. Um, But, and I didn't know that historic preservation was a career. I went to Indiana University in theory, to be a business major. That did not work out for me very well. (laughs) And I found that I was drawn to taking history courses. And that is what I ended up getting a major in. However, um, I didn't really want to, per se, teach it. 
And I didn't know quite what to do once I graduated. And at that time, my father, well, my parents uh, purchased a a property that was adjacent to a historic property that they owned in Galveston that needed extensive rehab. And my dad jokingly said at the time, well, you could go to Galveston and fix up the houses. And lo and behold, that is how I ended up in Galveston, Texas. The three, um, they were three small cottages on one lot, and they were located in the East End Historic District, which is actually a National Historic Landmark. So I undertook a rehab of those buildings sort of by chance, but having to learn about historic districts, historic guidelines, and um, how to go about that kind of a project. Um, Once that was completed, I... um, sort of fell into a position at the Galveston Historical Foundation as their preservation resource manager, in which case um, that's really where I figured out that preservation was a career and it was something that I had a passion for. And how long did you stick around there? I worked for the Galveston Historical Foundation for five years. Um, we did. I did demonstration classes. I did survey work. I helped people research their homes. It was a fun time. Um, It was the anniversary of the great storm. We had a special plaque program to recognize houses that had survived that major hurricane. So um, it was, it was just a fun opportunity to, to be at such a large preservation organization um, that is so well nationally recognized. Uh, I was so fortunate. So now you are in a place very different than Galveston. I mean, unless there may, perhaps there's some similarities that you could tell us about, but, um, uh, you know, far Southern Texas is a little different than the Hudson Valley. Um, and tell us about Saratoga Springs and, um, then perhaps the foundation, like paint us a little picture about Saratoga Springs. What's it like? So it's interesting. You wouldn't really think that Galveston and Saratoga Springs have much in common, but, but actually they really do. Uh, Galveston was a wealthy resort destination as well as a port. And um, so Saratoga was also a wealthy resort destination and um, sort of have had similar histories where the wealthy came, um, beautiful buildings were built uh, largely during um, the late 1800s to the early 1900s. Both of them saw an economic decline you know, it, towards the, I'd say the 50s and 60s, both of them had also a gambling history. So uh, there was that similar sort of um, gambling mob affiliation. And then uh, they both also uh, had uh, the Strand in Galveston and Broadway here in Saratoga Springs sort of had vacant storefronts and vacant upper floors and saw um, a real economic decline. And both of them, thanks to local community leaders, decided to invest in their downtowns. And one of the tools in that toolbox that helped to, to bring back those downtowns were preservation. So it seems like there wouldn't be that much commonality, but there really is, uh, which kind of makes it fun for me. 
Um, Saratoga Springs was developed by Gideon Putnam in eighteen in the early eighteen hundreds. He built the first lodging tavern, and people referred to it as Putnam's Folly because they didn't think anybody would want to be in the wilderness in upstate New York. However, that um, he proved everybody wrong, and at one point in time, Saratoga had the, one of the largest hotels in the world, the Grand Union Hotel, that could accommodate up to 2,000 guests, and that was just one of the large hotels that we had here. Um, people came here for the spring waters. Uh, the Indians were the first to, to um, come to Saratoga and, and take the spring waters. Uh, George Washington did as well. And then um, we had the Saratoga Racecourse be an important destination um, starting, well, technically in 1847 was the first racetrack, but thoroughbred racing started to take place in 1863. So the Saratoga Preservation Foundation, or the Saratoga, excuse me, Saratoga Springs Preservation Foundation, Obviously, is a, is a local preservation group, but what's a normal day for you like? What kind of work do you actually do? Because a lot of preservation groups out there, all of them work in different ways. Um, how is it that you organize your work? Well, um, I'd say somewhat traditional. We, we do a little bit of everything, advocacy, education, restoration, and technical assistance. No day is ever the same. We offer tours. We um, often provide advisory opinions on best preservation practices to our land use boards. We work with the city of Saratoga Springs on how to um, promote and, and continue to preserve our community. We are often partners with them, and um, we provide technical assistance to building owners as well as um, we undertake restoration projects. Most recently, we helped the First Baptist Church, which actually is the oldest congregation in Saratoga Springs, 225 years old. Uh, they have a 1855 Greek Revival Church with 1906 stained glass windows that were falling into disrepair. They're a congregation of less than 30, and we helped to raise over $50,000 to help them undertake the first phase of restoring their stained glass windows. And you do this with, it sounds like with that amount of work, this is a staff of 10? I wish. <laughs> it is a, two, a staff of two full-time, uh, myself and my membership and programs director, Nicole Babby, as well as we have a part-time admin and bookkeeper. So um, give us an example. You, you've mentioned some of the things that you've worked on recently. Uh, what are some projects that you're spending time on right now? We are um, working with the city to pass a stronger vacant building registry ordinance um, that actually incorporates language that's specific to vacant buildings and historic districts. Uh, that will be going to a vote soon uh, before the city council. And if I can ask, what is what is it? Because I think a lot of people grapple with that issue. What is it that you're trying to propose? What's the legislation actually do? Currently, it's not, the ordinance isn't as clear as it should be on the expectations of what a owner of a vacant building should be doing. 
and that they are to provide a plan to have the building become uh, reoccupied. And this ordinance really sort of strengthens that language, but in addition helps to um, outline some parameters for buildings that are located in a historic district or that are determined eligible for listing as, as, as a historic building. So that could make, and do you have a, a significant vacancy problem or is it more speculators? What kind of vacancy issues are you seeing? We're very, very fortunate here in Saratoga, unlike um, other cities in the in the capital region in New York, such as Albany that um, has anywhere over 900 vacant historic buildings. We only have a handful, um, but the handful that we do have have been problematic homes or buildings for, I would say, they've a large number of the buildings on our endangered watch list have been on that list for nearly 20 years. So it's it's been an and issue for a while. <laughs> it's been an issue. And unfortunately, um, we haven't really made much progress. And in fact, we over time, we've we've lost a, um, a handful. So you're working on this vacancy issue on the advocacy side. What else is going on with the organization? Some other big things that we should be aware of? Uh, one of the other things that would ties into that is we're hoping to release a most wanted list um, about the buildings that we want to see preserved. So that all ties together with the vacant building. And is that new? A most wanted. I like that. We used to call our endangered list the tend to save list. And I think we just felt like we wanted to repackage it or rebrand it. And so um, what we hope to have is most wanted, preserved and secured and have, you know, sort of like old timey uh, photos and posters to sort of say this is what we want and that they're wanted. And Um, when is that coming? That sounds pretty cool. Hopefully in the next couple months is our plan. So um, let's talk a little bit about the other. I mean, you, you kind of touched on a little bit with the gambling history there. Horse racing. It's the, the other um, big component of the history of Saratoga Springs and um, the, you know, the track and the, the historic resources associated with it. Um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, racing sort of started in the 1840s and then thoroughbred racing started in 1863. Um, what is the history of the track? What should people know about why it matters, its significance? Um, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about like what's there today and the, and the preservation status of it. I think what really is truly, truly special about Saratoga Racecourse is that it initially was developed um through harness racing uh, and uh, fairs. Uh, It was illegal to bet on horses. So a a way to circumvent that was um, to have trials on the um, strength of horses, you know, uh, trials. (laughs) And um, they, they became very popular. And um, through that, uh, so they established the first race course uh, or original race course in 1847 um, out on a piece of land that had some original farm buildings. And um, it continued to be successful. In 1863, John Morrissey had a big personality, was a gambler, um, politician, 
and he um, decided to host the first thoroughbred racing at, at Saratoga Racecourse, and it was hugely popular to the point where the following summer they purchased another piece of land and erected a new grandstand. Actually, there wasn't a grandstand at that first track. People would just sort of congregate on their carriages and in the infield. Uh, They built the first wooden grandstand in 1864, and through that, that's when horse racing really sort of took off for Saratoga. Uh, We have the Travers Stakes Race, which is the oldest stakes race in the country. Um, Over time, the track has developed right Today, it is um, has over 200 historic buildings, and it encompasses 350 acres. Is anything left from 1863? Uh, there are buildings that date back to 1847. So the answer is yes. Absolutely. It is <laughs> remarkably, remarkably intact. And why is that? I mean, because, you know, we're obviously we're recording this in Baltimore, not far from Pimlico, and there's scant remains of any of the historic structures associated with Pimlico um, left. What, um, why, why did it survive the way it did? I think it's probably a, a multitude of factors. I think they had uh, the land, you know, to grow per se. There isn't intense, there wasn't intense development pressure directly around the track. The track is really in ta- it's in town, but it's sort of just as you on the outskirts. Um, I think there's that. I think I think that there just wasn't also the money to spend on a wholesale redevelopment, um, and so we we were fortunate. They did that at Belmont and Aqueduct. And they, I think they fortunately ran out of funds to do such a thing here at Saratoga. And they just built an addition to the grandstand. Um, I think the, the buildings that are here, the stables and the cottages, have served their purpose over the years. And there was no need to do a wholesale teardown. Tear so are there challenges, though, associated with um, preserving a working Racetrack. I mean, are there are there are there pressures to change things so that it works better for modern racing and for modern viewers? Um, and absolutely. And what absolutely. role do you guys have in that? Um, absolutely, there are challenges. I think uh, we, the position that the foundation has taken um, since we first um, really became involved with. Saratoga race course intimately was actually in 2008, the New York racing association um, was up for a franchise renewal with New York state to oversee the three race courses, aqueduct Belmont and Saratoga. They, at that time that lease agreement could have gone to anyone. And there was a real fear in the community that a new operator would want to come in and drastically modernize our our venue. Um, Take one look at Churchill Downs and what has happened uh, there. That is something that we did not want to see here in Saratoga. Prior to me joining the foundation, they actively 
brought together a race course coalition and advocated for in the new franchise agreement to include uh, an unfunded mandate to have a cultural resource survey completed that capital improvements made at the track be reviewed by the State Historic Preservation Office and a local advisory board be formed to provide input on changes at the Saratoga Racecourse. I think that was instrumental um, for for Saratoga and for our organization, and that sort of led us to become much more involved, understanding it was an unfunded mandate. Um, we undertook the initiative to raise funding to undertake a cultural resource survey of the front side and the back side, focusing on probably 80% of the track. Not all of it has been documented, but we focused on areas that were had the most potential to see redevelopment in some capacity. And we've established a really good working relationship with the New York Racing Association, which was awarded the uh, franchise agreement. Um, when it comes to changes, for example, there was a real desire or they felt need to have air-conditioned luxury suites. Um, prior to this year, those were in a temporary tractor trailers and a air-conditioned tent uh, that held um, events. Uh, they felt the need that they needed a air-conditioned facility to host events and to have luxury suites. And so they built recently a, an over 30,000 square foot new building. And uh, we were the organization tasked with providing advisory opinions on that design to ensure that um, it was in keeping with the historic character of Saratoga Racecourse. And that was a challenging process or actually worked pretty well? I would say that the process uh, worked well. Uh, we are, like I said, we, we are fortunate to have a good working relationship with the New York Racing Association. They work with Matt Herf of Frost Herf Architects, who serves as sort of as their preservation consultant and architect. Um, he was not the lead architect on that particular building, but he worked with us. And um, I think what um, was built uh, was successful. So you've talked a little bit about um, some projects that you're working on, projects we've you've worked on in the past, and we heard that uh, you've got this cool Most Wanted um, rebrand of your Endangered program on the horizon. But what else is um, next for the foundation? What are you hoping to tackle? Um, and do you have any uh, sort of big dreams for what's happening there? I would like for the foundation to undertake a, a rehabilitation project of perhaps one of the buildings that is on our most wanted list. I don't know how feasible that is, but that would be one of my dream projects. And by that, you mean actually taking title to something and rehabbing yourself and either owning it or selling it and, and kind of doing historic property redevelopment? Uh, yes. I don't think we'd want, I would want to retain ownership. It would be something where we would, um, get it into a, a condition that somebody could complete an interior rehab in the way that they would want and sell it. And is that, easement. is that something that you, you, the, the foundation has done before, or is that, would that be sort of a, a really a new initiative? Have they done it in their, in their 
they, in the past? In or? our over 42-year history, yes, it has been done. It has not been done in a very long time. Yeah. And uh, and I know the story with that because we, we're we sort of in the same place and, and are, are contemplating now our first acquisition um, in many, many years. So in addition to property development, I know you've also been active in looking at the economic impact of not only your work, but the just the broader value of preservation. Do you want to tell people a little bit about the report that you guys issued recently? Yes. Um, we've, I'm sure as most preservation organizations across the country, have always touted that preservation has economic uh, benefits. Um, but, you know, we really wanted something that would give us proof of what the value of preservation means to our community. And so we were fortunate enough um, through some private funding as well as a certified local government uh, grant to partner with the city of Saratoga Springs to do an economic impact study on preservation. And uh, we were fortunate enough to hire Donovan Ripkema of Place Economics. And um, he looked back at over 20 years of MLS data and um, to really get into the the nitty gritty of the differences between living in a historic district versus a not historic district. And uh, the results were overwhelmingly that preservation does have an economic benefit with property values being higher, holding their value, increasing their value over time. And, um, it also, we learned that that's where most um, young firms are located, are in historic districts, uh, 46%. Um, and then uh, 31% of all jobs are of, at small firms are also located in, in historic districts. Not only that, which was also surprising, is only 6% of the land area is in um located in a historic district, but we provide up to um, 14% of the total assessed value in Saratoga, which obviously contributes to our uh, income for the city, the county, as well as our school districts. Yeah. So, I mean, no matter where you slice it, um, preservation is 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 really is a powerful economic force. And we see that over and over again, but it's always good to see new numbers. If someone wants to read the study, can they find it on your website? Absolutely. And what is that website? Saratogapreservation.org. Easy to remember. And now the most difficult question for any preservationist, your favorite historic place or site? Well, I wrestled with, I've wrestled with this in the past and I will continue to do so. I've been fortunate enough to travel around the world. I probably have a favorite historic site in many different countries. So I will answer with my, probably my, um, my favorite site in, in Saratoga. And that would probably be the Spirit of Life and Spencer Trask Memorial. So tell us what that is. It is a bronze sculpture in Congress Park, which is a National Historic Landmark. It was designed by Daniel Chester French, uh, and the architectural surround designed by Henry Bacon, of the same fame of both of them who did the Lincoln Memorial. And it was in memorial to Spencer Trask from his wife Katrina after he passed away to honor his 
efforts to preserve the spring waters of Saratoga. He he worked with Senator Brackett to pass the first legislation um, to ensure that the springs in Saratoga would be preserved. We were involved in a four-year restoration of that that memorial, and uh, it's just has special meaning. Yeah, and it's uh, and there's a great picture of it on your website, and I think actually the profile picture for uh, this uh, episode of PreserveCast is you standing in front of a portion of that. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. Well, um, this has been a fantastic conversation. It's interesting to hear about the good work that's happening all across the country um, and and the efforts that it takes to keep places like Saratoga Springs and its important racing history and its important uh, commercial and residential structures um, in, in good repair. Um, it's a difficult challenge everywhere and um, wouldn't be possible without folks like you out in the field. So thank you so much for joining us today on PreserveCast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's show, notes, and all previous episodes, visit PreserveCast.org. You can also find us online at Facebook and Twitter at PreserveCast. This program was supported by the Historic Preservation Education Foundation. PreserveCast is produced by Preservation Maryland in Baltimore City. Thanks again for your support, and remember to keep preserving.